So this reflection, use the word food, ahara, nutriment. As I said before, it's an interesting presentation because we see things like that and some of this input is what we'd immediately imagine input to be. Yeah. But when you begin to get the sense of that, the understanding is that chitta is basically quite open. And it gets filled in accordance with what the input is. It's quite an open sensitivity. It gets filled with whatever the input is. That input fills the chitta, forms it, shapes it, drives it. Often outwards into sense contact. As those forms and shapes become habitual, they become me, myself, my patterns, my habits. Acknowledged and unacknowledged. Unacknowledged, they become fixations, obsessions, sometimes intensely destructive addictions, self-aversion, inner constant inner criticism. Something that's always berating or putting down something else. So we become two that which is criticized and a critic doesn't stop there because then another one appears the one who's going to deal with it <laughs> deal with the situation doesn't stop there the one another one appears is searching for the right way to deal with this but they can't find it so another one appears called the person who failed to find the solution to the problem of self criticism so you get critical about that (laughs) I imagine it can go on into ways of let's get out of this find something else to do switch on a movie something else and then criticize myself for that later on but at least for that few moments I'm absorbed in a movie I'll be out of this painful experience called me So this process of absorbing input unwittingly, unknowingly because the chitta is ignorant input, food, absorbing it, taking it in establishes patterning in accordance with what we take in patterning becomes myself and then the conflict because the patterning, the program, never arrives at anywhere final, fulfilling, easeful. Because it only arrives at another condition. So we consider these four foods. Something like consciousness, sense consciousness as a food. Taking that in. What does that do? I am someone in here with a world out there that I have to deal with. Sights and sounds come and go. Some are pleasant, I want to have those. Some are unpleasant, I want to defend myself from those. The things I'm not certain of, I've got to look into that. The agitated person in a world of sense contact, sense consciousness. That's who I am. I've got to get on and make the best of it, then I'm going to die. (laughs) That's it. What does that set up? You know, Get the best you can, as long as you can, until eventually breaks down. Or feeling depressed and hopeless about it. Or feeling that there's something wrong with you because other people are fine. They're getting, seemingly getting happy through it. But actually, the world of sense consciousness is not a satisfactory world. People appear to be happy in it as long as they can keep getting more and more of the gratifications. When they run out, 
addictions can't be fulfilled the system won't do it anymore or they can't get happy because of the same contact depression, stress, so forth so even something like that, taking that in is problematic and we don't recognize or have any understanding, any recognition that the jitter is basically open directed towards sense consciousness it becomes filled and driven and programmed that becomes and the drive in that program is called me myself becoming something trying to become something other than this experience I'm having which is not quite right yet so I'll do something else to make it better that's the program that's called myself Bhava becoming say well there's an alternative well the Buddha wouldn't have said this there wasn't an alternative there is sense consciousness do you have to feed on it can you find a the possibility of a place, if you like, to use the word, where you can rest and let the sights and sounds and touches and thoughts pass by. Not wrangling with them, not fascinated by them, not myself. Myself is not something that needs to be created in that particular mode. Is this possible? Buddha says it is. Manosanchetana, another food the drive of the mind obsessive drive of the mind very strong mental uh, program the drive to get perfection the drive to get it right the drive to become something more useful acceptable, likeable, lovable interesting, successful great meditator drive, drive, drive get filled with that one And then, I am, I'm not. And generally, the experience is I'm not quite. Yet, the meditator can never really arrive at the sense of, ah, that's exactly, yeah, before it changes. We may get those pleasant, serene moments. Sometimes, slips away. The meditator is a program. The nature of programs, sankharas, is cause, effect, searching for the result. Programs search for a result search for result that's the program so when you get the result the program search for result continues but you just create the result as something else so if you get the search for result program whatever you're at you search for result (laughs) which is something else beyond longer wiser brighter kinder whatever you know it moves on Searching for result only takes you to searching for result, because that's the program. Mm. Is there right effort then? Yes, there is right effort. Is there a noble quest? Yes, there is a noble quest. To find, to arrive at the place where the programs stop. The I am formation doesn't take over. Food of sense contact, contact impressions, prickling, poking, teasing, insightful, incite, inciting, 
delightful, horrible, abusive, jang, jang, jang. I am that which is contacted. Mm. Buddha likened contact to be a cow with the skin stripped off. Flayed cow. This is wherever the cow moves, flies bite it. If it gets into the water, water creatures bite it. It stands on the outside, the creatures of the air bite it. Everywhere it's because it's got no skin. This is so, this is contact. <laughs> Sense contact. The ignorant driven out into that drives one into that is it possible to to find a way out of that (laughs) the Buddha says yes it is how is that well you contact the deathless in your own body you contact calm contact you know enlightenment factors these don't stab They're the balm, their eases, the blisters and the bruises of contact. Mm. Material food, hungry, is a way, <laughs> always hungry, always hungry. Eat something, six hours later, hungry. Eat something else. Five hours later, hungry. What shall I have for dinner? Hungry. Does it ever stop? Well, <laughs> not on the sense consciousness level, it doesn't. So the jitter driven out there into a world where it can never really find satisfaction is constantly driving on hungry and taking in the stuff that keeps it impassioned. It's like drinking salt water to cure your thirst. Mm. But there's a way. Mm. So... um, This feeding food for liberation. What is the food for awakening? In fact, is awakening mindfulness, exploration of, of Dhamma or energy or persistence, rapture, joy, Serenity, calm, concentration, samadhi, equanimity. Yeah. And we look at this and we might wonder, well, doesn't seem to be any wisdom in any of this. <laughs> but actually wisdom is within all of them because they're all to be cultivated by fostering deep attention. Yoni Sikara, which is a wisdom factor. So wisdom accompanies all of them. And the nature of wisdom is discerning. It means it's able to step back, reflect, how is this? How is this? What's the feeling of this? What's the meaning of that? Where's this going? Uh, so wisdom sort of separates itself, not to shut things down, but to get things in perspective. This is an exceptionally skillful and accessible tool. We do it all the time, I'm sure. You know, when you decide, you go to a market and you decide what fruit to buy, you pick it up, look at it, feel it around, maybe. What's the price? No, I don't think so. That's called deep wise attention. It's a reflective quality. It's light. It can move, it can turn things around. 
And as you cultivate these enlightenment factors in line with deep attention, that deep attention, that yoni somani sikara, uh, becomes, you know, changes its qualities, its, its faculty remains the same, but its experience changes in accordance with what you're attending to. I know. I think this is really important to to bear in mind to sort of also to de um, to help with our understanding of meditation, the very word meditation, because you get the meditation program which is a kind of, you know, structures and systems and progress and stages to this, that, this, that, this, that, and eventually, you know, being door open somewhere and you become something else. Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's perhaps not a very graceful synopsis, but that can be the impression one has because that's the way one's mind works in terms of becoming. That's the way the mind has learnt the process. We are a program that wants to be other than this. And we want to find a way to do it. And we want to get there, drive firmly in the right way to get there. So we want a nice, clear path our minds can Recognize and go from this to that to this to that to this to that. Sounds reasonable. Sounds eminently practical. And then, you know, you begin to notice certain habits come in more or less reflexively. For a start, most people, when they meditate, sit down and they start to get intense. You can always witness for about three or four seconds, you feel like that. Ah, and then here we go. And something tightens up. And sometimes the shoulders tip over, head goes down. You you almost feel the contraction occurring. I'm now meditating for one hour or half an hour or 45 minutes or so. Doing meditation, focusing, witnessing, being mindful. Pain, noticing the pain, trying to get concentrated, not very concentrated, feeling a bit critical of myself for not being able to concentrate, trying harder to get to that concentration I should have by now after all these years. So there's this growing tide of negativity towards myself building up. And the feeling of, you're a failure, you're a failure, you can't do this, something wrong, defiled, past life, karma, saturated in defilements, corrupted, useless, weak, pathetic, builds up, and ding, the bell goes, ah, 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 ah. For that open state, you know, what does that to do? Lock into another program. Because <laughs> we can't really get a handle on the open state. So get some program around it. Become something in that. You know? No, no, just, just uh, that's what happens when a program drops. You get this, oh, do you notice that? When that drops, that sense of, the person who's doing it stops. There's that kind of moment of relief. And then maybe another program starts. Oh, I'd better get on with this, I guess. I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> and then the various concerns of the day roll in. More programs come in. You know, I'm living in this apartment. I've got to feed that, got to fix that. Better get on with that. So-and-so's dying. He's sick, I don't know how to sort that out. These other programs move in, or have mental consciousness cranks up, 
brings all these memories in and we become that kind of fairly scrambled state that we know so well. That's me. Now in this teaching, just as a suggestion, anything, anything that calls itself me, subtly at all, in emotion it seems, is a familiar emotion, a pattern, a program. Anything that calls itself me, I am this, is a program. It's a me program called Ahankara. It's not actually a truth. It's a program. Let me just kind of bear that in mind because this is where Anatta is a realization. So, and all the programs that you know, takes deep attention to even recognize there are such things because mostly we're just in those programs so much and following them, getting on to do what we feel we should do and avoid what we shouldn't do and try to deal with something that's bothering me and then a few scattered thoughts coming from what we're reading or seeing or thinking on the day and various emotional flutters going on. You've got this kind of cascade of phenomena occurring and takes deep attention to, wait a minute, what's happening? What is this? And this process of deep attention, I would say, just as a, a kind of a, a very simple slogan, a simple word, you can cut it down to one word. The only soul Sikara, deeply attention, gives you one word, not a story. That means you get into the depth, the origin. It may come out as an incredible multicolored universe of me and mine and the future, the past, and other people and should be and this, that and the other. But we get down to the origin, the only soul. Say, this is agitation. Okay? Or it's energy shifting around. Or this is sense of guilt. I haven't done enough. Should do more. Wasn't good enough. Let somebody down. Not living up to what I should be. Very common program. Not necessarily intense, just a subtle wash of you didn't do all that you could do. You let somebody down. You made a mistake, you got it wrong, something wrong with you, the wash. <laughs> oh, that's a program. Yeah. So it takes a little time, just, and you, you get to it by just trying to assess the one word that will touch the overall sense, the overall felt sense of what you're experiencing in the mind, in the jitta, what shape the jitta is taking now. The jitta, which is open, cannot be seen as an object, becomes an object under the pressure of these shapes. It can be in a a kind of rather crushed sense, broken sense, stained, impure, you know, Frustrated, locked in. Mm. Now, in order to support this uh, process of, of coming out of those shapes and patterns, the Buddha says you establish mindfulness of body. Mindfulness, so here we have the first factor, food. What is the food for the arising of unarisen mindfulness as a factor of awakening? There are mental qualities that act as a foothold for mindfulness. Well-purified virtue and views made straight, as we've seen before. 
to foster deep attention to them. This is the food for the arising of unarisen mindfulness. So there's definitely some purpose and there's definitely something happening there. But it's not a clamping down onto an object. It's a sense of what is beautiful here. What qualities I can discern, I can name, are fulfilling. Could be generosity. Could be moral sensitivity. I touch into those, make much of those, know those the brightening effect touching into these as qualities rather than well I'm not that generous or I'm not so moral or I do maybe yeah yeah this is the I am coming in just touch the qualities that arise any respect at all if I give you know a bone to a dog Focus on that aspect. What does it feel like? Because it's important to foster deep attention to any degree of skillfulness. Because if you foster deep attention to it, you'll notice the heart is lifted, gladdened, not panicked. Not stressed, happy. It expands, it opens under the sense of beautiful qualities. This then is the foundation from which bearing things in mind is established because that exactly is the chitta's ability to open because virtue and right view generate or asks, encourages the jitta to open and tune in, not become anything, drive anywhere, make anything happen, but tune in to where the good stuff lies. Stay with it, stay with it. No self involved, no self is not an issue with this. Whenever that comes in, you push it aside to say, doesn't matter how good, but there is this. You linger in it. That begins to change the shape of your jitta. And it turns it away from the obsessive, wounding aspects that the jitta can feed on. Turns it away from some drive to become something. Turns it away from gobbling sense contact. Turns it away from just going out into more stuff to distract oneself. This is right food, right there. Then we establish that sati that mindfulness is strengthened by establishing it in the body, on the body. Mm. Now, if we come to that more opened state, jitter is open, receptive, is ask yourself, how do you know you have a body? If you have a sense of something firm or textured or warmth, it's called the elements, mobility, you know, it's not a visual object, the body in itself. And you can simplify that right down to there's the sense of something outside the body, so the body has a boundary. 
which we call the skin boundary. There's an external, things outside that. And within that skin boundary, you experience something that's kind of alive and vibrant and, you know, maybe lumpy or gluey or something. Some qualities there, the inner quality to the body. And then the theme is, well, you've established that. Now, stay with that sense of the whole body like a skin bag rather than just going up into your head and looking at the body or thinking about it just feeling if you like body externally the way I'm using it this term I can sense skin boundary when I walk back legs calves feet shoulders chest, face it's all there when I walk when I sit down it's there when I stand up it's there when I lie down it's there it's there (laughs) there it is Mm -hmm. now before I adopt a technique that says focus on the sensations in your feet when you walk you check out and you realize, well, there's no record of the Buddha ever saying that in 45 years. Yeah. Never said it. Never. Either that or the people who composed the canon made a big mistake. That's funny. What it does say is, no, you're walking up and down in your body, internally, externally. It's definitely a, a reference point there. And it takes a bit of effort to do that. Because you tend to want to contract to a particular point and get this sense of, right, here we go, doing something. And now I'm meditating. I know I'm meditating because I get this sense of intensity going. That means I'm meditating. But the Buddha didn't say you've got to get intense to do it. <laughs> Just said, open, know that. And you realize that still is quite a demanding practice. Most of us, I imagine, will just go to our eyes when we walk up and down, looking at things. Let your eyes go soft. Then, okay, well, feet, you go to your feet. No, don't go to your feet. Go to the whole thing. The whole thing is wrapped in this skin boundary. Just notice the flexions in your muscles. The whole thing moving as a unity. The turning, how the walking begins in the haunch, in the top of the pelvis, how that powers it, how the waist turns as you walk, how the shoulders slightly turn as you walk, how the leg lifts, drifts forward, no pressure. Gently touch the ground with the foot, the weight transferring onto the foot. And the flow from one leg to the other leg as the walking goes on. Comfortable, rhythmic, soothing, calming. Bodies do this, don't they? So, and then, you know, because when you do that, the uh, recognition is when the bodily sense is not contracted, the chitta is not contracted. The chitta is also spread open, sensitive, receptive, not contracted. And how does that feel? Hmm? I don't feel I'm doing very much. I'm not really getting samadhi, I'm not really concentrating. I should be. Yeah, what does that voice feel like? What does that drive feel like? Can you open around that? Everybody gets these kind of things. Or you're remembering something you've left at home, you forgot to do. Everybody gets that. Stuff rolls through. Or you're wondering what somebody else is doing. Why does she walk so slow? What's wrong with him? Why is he doing that? Everybody gets that. (laughs) How long should I walk for? 
Everybody gets that. What kind of walking path? 20 paces, 25, 30. What did Ajahn so-and-so say? Which direction should you go? Everybody gets this kind of stuff going on. Just keep walking. <laughs> Let the programs discharge through that open space. And then it's just walking. So this is the way you, you begin to use this uh, reflective attention just to, to notice the programs that are arising. And this is what is called Dhamma second factor of awakening. Qualities that are skillful and unskillful, blameworthy and blameless, gross and refined, siding with darkness and light. All kinds of mixture of happy, unhappy, skillful, unskillful, stupid, wise, things we really feel good about, things we don't feel good about, all tumbling through. To foster deep attention to them. This is food for the arising of the unarisen quality of Dhamma exploration of qualities. This is a fairly open inquiry. You know? And so we get a sense of, I'm not doing good enough, I should be better than I am. Okay. This is the inadequacy program. How does it feel? What happens to your body when that one runs? What happens to your nervous system? Do you start tightening up? Start getting agitated? Uh-huh. Everybody gets this. Remember that. I'm not doing good enough. I should be doing so. I want to make something happen. Yeah, that's a program. Deep attention feels like this. Stressful. Stressful. The Buddha teaches the ending of stress. So I go to the space around that program, the knowing of that program. There is the body that feels light, the fluidity of the movement. I come out of time, future, destination, purpose, getting something, judgment. I come out of that. Something comes out of that. And I feel that program for what it is. Agitation, mental striving, stress. Not me, not something to follow, something that can be sensed, opened around. Not criticised, everybody gets this. Going to the entire body, Chitta, the openness of the chitta. Not being fed, program withers. It comes back again. You keep doing it. This is called exertion, persistence, energy. What is the food for the arising of persistence? The potential for effort, the potential for exertion, the potential for striving to foster deep attention to these. You know, you read language like this, it's very easy to assume this means we get tight and driven. This is virya. And you recognize the Buddha used effort to describe that which establishes mindfulness. The effort, so it's very much about you know, putting aside wrong views, putting aside harmful thoughts, establishing correct views, lingering those, that's right effort. Having done so, having explored through Dhamma Vijaya, you begin to sense, what do you need to do now in this situation? What in this needs to be persistently established, sustained, remembered, borne in mind, made an effort with, or in this. So we get the stress programs. You need to make the effort to come out of the stress, expand your awareness. Don't follow that. The self-criticism, the feeling of, I'm not really doing very well, I'm not good enough. 
don't follow that. That's an unskillful, unhelpful program. Feel what it's doing to you, what it's doing to your chitta. Your chitta's getting stressed and anxious and agitated, quivering, and gets very familiar. This is me, all right. I know this one with all the stories about how I should and never did and wasn't quite. Very well, very well formed. It's a form. Knowing the form as a form. Rupa. This is the shape the chit is taking. This is the energy of it. This is the feeling of it. It's being programmed. Aware of the program. Sensing the openness around that program. Making an effort to not get pulled into it. Determined not to get pulled into it. Putting your attention out to your, to your skin and the feet and the space around you as an effort to not get drawn into that. <laughs> what is beautiful, remembering right, right view, what is beautiful now, making an effort in this way. Where is the ease, where is the trust right now? come out of those programs it does require exertion extending because mm. these programs are deeply established and they're magnetic they run so many times there's a groove in the chitta and it just goes right down that groove and that groove is called me my profile and you begin to contemplate this. You know, and of course there are a whole range of them. There's a sense of grief, sadness. Sadness which is unloved, sad, inadequate, not beautiful, not, not welcome, unloved. That program running, we can touch into that and everything just goes fades and darkens, huddle. And we try to become something more positive, cheer up, be bright, practice metta, anything to get out of this. That's a program. Self, because we identify with that experience. It's got my name on it. It's got my voice in it. It's got my story in it. And effort must be made. But it's not the effort to feed it or run away from it. What is needed here? Well, you might very well say loving kindness is needed. But loving kindness within the state means the jitta is willing to receive that sadness. That feeling of inadequacy doesn't resist it. Gentle, loving, assuring, compassionate. And you feel it in the body. The body begins to release some of the somatic results of that. And when you really, you know you're getting it because the body, when you get it in your body, you know, it's not just the trick of the mind. It's not just a psychological strategy. These chitta sankara, chitta programs, are backed up by kaya sankara, body programs. They're backed up by verbal programs, bhaji sankara. So the thinking, the voice in the head, carries the flavor of the failure or the afflicted one, or the one who's trying so hard or should try harder, should be something other than they are. The voice in the head has got that sound to it. The attitude in the heart has that sound in it, that kind of, I'm not enough yet. And the body feels kind of numbed out. Sometimes we even lose the body altogether. These other programs get so strong. Or the body knots up. So, you know, you can change your thinking, but unless it goes right down the line, into the body, you haven't, you haven't relinquished it, it hasn't been dissipated. There's still that, you know. That's why exertion is needed, but it's often a deep 
steady saturation of allowing gentleness, compassion, the non-judgment, the non-compulsion, saturating the tissues. The result of this is rapture. Suddenly lighter, freer, more joyful. In our seemingly humdrum day, we suddenly notice the marvel of sunshine on a leaf, which I'd never noticed before. Or the way that the spider builds a cobweb, which I'd never really seen. I feel this gentle lightness of heart, which I used to have when I was four, and I haven't had since. Because <laughs> I've been programmed into being important and busy and getting things done <laughs> ever since. <laughs> wow. There's just the relief to come out of that fresh, young. Why did you leave that? (laughs) Because that's the program. (laughs) This rapture return, you can feel it, and you've suddenly become more aware of your entire body as a dynamic living entity, rather than a lump of meat you carry around. And bitti. Sadness, dinginess, drabness leaves the heart. The weight leaves the heart. So then you, the hinge point in this enlightenment factors is this pity. You see, you have the three beginning ones, which are kind of like what you set up and do. You know, you set up mindfulness, you apply it, you place it, you keep placing it. Place it on you wisely attend what's an appropriate object to place it on, that it will rest upon, that it will spread over, that you can sense with properly in terms of right view. Mm-hmm. Within this you can sense skillful qualities, such as you know, skillful intention, fulfilling intention, mm-hmm. clarity, openness. Mm-hmm. You can sense those. So you place and you sustain it. You definitely do that. Dhamma Vijaya, you explore. You explore the resistances to experiencing phenomena. I don't want to be with this nasty, nagging thought. I don't want to be with this nasty, nagging thought. I'd like to not have this nasty, nagging thought. Nasty, nagging thought, please go away. Stop it, nasty, nagging thought. Look, nasty, nagging thought, if you don't shut up, I'm going to give give you some metta. That will make you shut up. <laughs> okay, don't like it. This means don't like it. <laughs> wisely attend, don't like it. What do I do when I don't like it? I just soften, widen, uh, and the intensity of the system cools down. Nagging thought goes into just a few dribbling rumblings, and then we deepen. Deepen, deepen. It's okay. You begin to see the nagging thought came from a frustrated mindset, which came from a cramped heart, which came from a tight body. And if you relax the whole system, you go down to the foundations of what makes one so intensely, obsessively thinking. You know, you've got residual tension, and you start to release it. To explore deeply, not in terms of thinking things out, but of feeling things fully, tracing the track of the sankharas of the programs. Make an effort with it, assist, stay with it. You're really dealing with your own territory 
that will stay there. As long as you don't deal with it, it will stay there. No matter where you go, it will stay. You'll be driven somewhere else. You'll be sad somewhere else. You'll be inadequate somewhere else. You'll be another failed relationship. You'll be another... It's the the blueprint. (laughs) It just plays out in different scenarios. So now make make the effort. The results. Then you get the result. Rapture. Hey this thing lifts. Then you get the... This changes into receiving more deeply. The mind is collected because you begin to sense that sense of relief. The jitta calms. Asadi system soothes, no longer inflamed, sore, stressed. Oh, we pick up that sign. Things unify, stabilize. Deeply attending to that. Samadhi. And these are more things we receive as a result. The quality of deep attention is much subtler. Sensing space. Sensing the beginning of how things arise or brightness. Mind opens out into evenness not favouring one thing or another. It knows, above everything else, its own presence is the most valuable asset. And we know that presence is not an idea, it's an experience, open, even-minded presence. Equanimity, we're wise about that. Not self not something I've gained or had. Something has arisen because of the release of unskillful programs. Mm. How these processes work? So we coming to equanimity, equanimity quality that um, stays open. So it seems there's no conclusion to this talk. <laughs>